0: Chapter 2 of Collected Papers on Analytical Psychology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. Recording by Simon Arusu. Collected Papers on Analytical Psychology by Carl Gustav Jung. Chapter 2, Lecture 3. Experiences concerning the psychic life of the child. Part 2. On the day following the explanation, while at dinner, Anna spontaneously remarked, My brother is in Italy, and has a house of cloth and glass, but he does not tumble down. In this case, as in the others, it was impossible to ask for an explanation. The resistances were too great, and Anna could not be drawn into conversation. This former officious and pretty explanation is very significant. For some three months the two sisters had been building a stereotyped fanciful conception of a big brother. This brother knows everything, he can do and has everything. He has been and is in every place where the children are not. He is owner of great cows, oxen, horses, dogs, everything is his, etc. Everyone has such a big brother. We must not look far from the origin of this fancy. The model for it is the father who seems to correspond to this conception. He seems to be like a brother to mamma. The children too have their similar powerful brothers. This brother is very brave. He is at present in dangerous Italy and inhabits an impossible fragile house, and he does not tumble down. For the child this realizes an important wish. The earthquake is no longer to be dangerous. In consequence, the child's fear disappeared and did not return. The fear of earthquakes now entirely vanished. Instead of calling her father to her bed to conjure away the fear, she now became very affectionate and begged him every night to kiss her. In order to test this new state of affairs, the father showed her pictures illustrating volcanoes and earthquake devastations. Anna remained unaffected. She examined the pictures with indifference, remarking, these people are dead, I have already seen that quite often. The picture of a volcanic eruption no longer had any attraction for her. Thus all her scientific interest collapsed and vanished as suddenly as it came. During the days following the explanation, Anna had quite important matters to occupy herself with. She disseminated her newly acquired knowledge among those about her in the following manner. She began by again circumstantially affirming what had been told her, that Freddie, her younger sister and herself had grown in her mother that papa and mamma grew in their mothers and that the servants likewise grew in their respective mothers by frequent questions she tested the true basis of her knowledge for her suspicion was aroused in no small measure so that it needed many confirmations to remove all her uncertainties on one occasion the trustworthiness of the theory threatened to go to pieces about a week after the explanation, the father was taken ill with influenza and had to remain in bed during the forenoon. The children knew nothing about this, and Anna, coming into the parents' bedroom, saw what was quite unusual, namely that her father was remaining in bed. She again took on a peculiar surprised expression. She remained at a distance from the bed and would not come nearer. She was apparently again reserved and suspicious. But suddenly she burst out with a question. Why are you in bed? Have you a plant in your inside too? The father naturally had to laugh. He calmed her, however, by assuring her that children never grow in the father, that only women can have children, and not men. Thereupon the child again became friendly. But though the surface was calm, the problems continued to work in the dark. A few days later, while at dinner, Anna related the following dream. i dreamt last night of Noah's Ark. The father then asked her what she had dreamt about it, but Anna's answer was sheer nonsense. In such cases it is necessary only to wait and pay attention. A few minutes later she said to her mother, I dreamt last night about Noah's Ark and there were a lot of little animals in it. Another pause. She then began her story for the third time, I dreamt last night about Noah's Ark and there were a lot of baby animals in it, and underneath there was a lid and that opened and all the baby animals fell out the children really had a Noah's Ark but its opening a lid was on the roof and not underneath in this way she delicately intimated that the story of the birth from mouth or breast is incorrect and that she had some inkling where the children came out a few weeks then passed without any noteworthy occurrences on one occasion she related the following dream I dreamt about papa and mama, they had been sitting late in the study, and we children were there too. On the face of this we find a wish of the children to be allowed to sit up as long as the parents. This wish is here realized, or rather it is utilized to express a more important wish, namely to be present in the evening when the parents are alone. Of course, quite innocently, it was in the study where she had seen all the interesting books and where she has satiated her thirst for knowledge, it is, she was really seeking an answer to the burning question, whence the little brother came. If the children were there, they would find out. A few days later, Anna had a terrifying dream from which she awoke crying. The earthquake is coming, the house has begun to shake. Her mother went to her and calmed her by saying that the earthquake was not coming, that everything was quiet, and that everybody was asleep whereupon anna said i would like to see the spring when all the little flowers are coming out and the whole lawn is full of flowers i would like to see freddie he has such a dear little face what is papa doing what is he saying the mother said he is asleep and isn't saying anything now little anna then remarked with a sarcastic smile he will surely be sick again tomorrow this text should be read backwards the last sentence was not meant seriously, as it was uttered in a mocking tone. When the father was sick the last time, Anna suspected that he had a plant in his inside. The sarcasm signifies, tomorrow papa is surely going to have a child. But this also is not meant seriously. Papa is not going to have a child. Mama alone has children. Perhaps she will have another child tomorrow. But where from? What does papa do? The formulation of the difficult problem seems here to come to the surface. It reads, What does papa really do if he does not bear children? The little one is very anxious to have a solution for all these problems. She would like to know how Freddy came into the world. She would like to see how the little flowers came out of the earth in the spring. And these wishes are hidden behind the fear of earthquakes. After this intermezzo, Anna slept quietly until morning in the morning her mother asked her what she had dreamt she did not at first recall anything and then said i dreamt that i could make the summer and then someone threw a punch down into the closet this peculiar dream apparently has two different scenes which are separated by then the second part draws its material from the recent wish to possess a punch that is to have a boy doll just as mama has a little boy Someone threw punch down into the closet. One often lets other things fall down into the water closet. It is just like this that the children too come out. We have here an analogy to the lump theory of little Hans. Whenever several scenes are found in one dream, each scene ordinarily represents a particular variation of the complex elaboration. Here accordingly the first part is only a variation of the theme found in the second part. The meaning of to see the spring or to see the little flowers come out we have already remarked. Anna now dreams that she can make the summer, that is she can bring it about that the little flowers shall come out. She herself can make a little child and the second part of the dream represents this just as one makes a motion in the VC. Here we find the egotistic wish which is behind the seemingly objective interest of the previous night's conversation. A few days later, the mother was visited by a lady, who expected soon to become a mother. The children seemed to take no interest in the matter, but the next day they amused themselves with the following play, which was directed by the elder girl. They took all the newspapers they could find in their father's paper basket, and stuffed them under their clothes, so that the imitation was unmistakable. During the night, little Anna had another dream. I dreamt about a woman in the city. She had a very big stomach. The chief actor in a dream is always a dreamer himself, under some definite aspect. Thus the childish play of the day before is fully solved. Not long after, Anna surprised her mother with the following performance. She stuck her doll under her clothes, then pulled it out slowly, head downwards, and at the same time remarked, Look, the baby is coming out! now it is all out by this means anna tells her mother you see thus i apprehend the problem of birth what do you think of it is that right the play is really meant to be a question for as we shall see later this idea had to be officially confirmed that rumination on this problem by no means ended here is slowly by the occasional ideas conceived during the following weeks Thus she repeated the same play a few days later with her teddy bear, who stands in the relation of an especially beloved doll. One day, looking at a rose, she said to her grandmother, See, the rose is getting a baby. As her grandmother did not quite understand her, she pointed to the enlarged calyx and said, Don't you see it is quite fat here? Anna once quarreled with her younger sister, and the latter exclaimed angrily, I will kill you! Whereupon Anna answered, When I am dead, you will be all alone. Then you will have to pray to God for a live baby. But the scene soon changed. Anna was the angel, and the younger sister was forced to kneel before her and pray to her that she should present to her a living child. In this way, Anna became the child-dispensing mother. Oranges were once served at the table. Anna impatiently asked for one and said, i am going to take an orange and swallow it all down into my stomach and then i shall get a baby who does not think here of fairy tales in which childless women become pregnant by swallowing fruit fish and similar things in this way anna sought to solve the problem how the children actually come into the mother she thus enters into a formulation which hitherto had not been defined with so much clearness the solution follows in the form of an analogy, which is quite characteristic of the archaic thinking of the child. In the adult, too, there is a kind of thinking by metaphor which belongs to the stratum lying immediately below consciousness. Dreams bring the analogies to the surface. The same may be observed also in Dementia precox. In German, as well as in numerous foreign fairy tales, one frequently finds such characteristic childish comparisons fairy tales seem to be the myths of the child and therefore contain among other things the mythology which the child weaves concerning the sexual processes the spell of the fairy tale poetry which is felt even by the adult is explained by the fact that some of the old theories are still alive in our unconscious minds. We experience a strange, peculiar and familiar feeling when a conception of our remotest youth is again stimulated. Without becoming conscious, it merely sends into consciousness a feeble copy of its original emotional strength. The problem how the child gets into the mother was difficult to solve. As the only way of taking things into the body is through the mouth, it could evidently be assumed that the mother ate something like a fruit, which then grows inside her. But then comes another difficulty, namely it is clear enough what the mother produces, but it is not yet clear what the father is good for. What does the father do? Anna now occupied herself exclusively with this question one morning she ran into the parents bedroom while they were dressing she jumped into her father's bed lay face downwards kicked with her legs and called at the same time look does papa do that the analogy to the horse of little hans which raised such disturbance with its legs is very surprising with this last performance the problem seemed to be at rest entirely at least the parents found no opportunity to make any pertinent observations. That the problem should come to a standstill just here is not at all surprising, for this is really its most difficult part. Moreover, we know from experience that not many children go beyond these limits during the period of childhood. The problem is almost too difficult for the childish mind, which still lacks much knowledge necessary to its solution. This standstill lasted about five months during which no phobias or other signs of complex elaboration appeared after this lapse of time there appeared premonitory signs of some new incidents anna's family lived at the time in the country near a lake where the mother and children could bathe as anna was afraid to wade farther into the water than knee-deep her father once put her into the water which led to an outburst of crying in the evening, while going to bed, Anna asked her mother, Do you not believe that father wanted to drown me? A few days later, there was another outburst of crying. She continued to stand in the gardener's way until he finally placed her in a newly dug hole. Anna cried bitterly and afterwards maintained that the gardener wished to bury her. Finally, she awoke during the night with fearful crying. Her mother went to her in the adjoining room and quieted her she had dreamt that a train passed and then fell in a heap these tallies with the stagecoach of her little hunts these incidents showed clearly enough that fear was again in the air it is that a resistance had again arisen preventing transference to the parents and that therefore a great part of her love was converted into fear this time suspicion was not directed against the mother but against the father who she was sure must know the secret, but would never let anything out. What could the father be doing or keeping secret? To the child this secret appeared as something dangerous, so that she felt the worst might be expected from the father. This feeling of childish anxiety with the father as object we see again most distinctly in adults, especially in dementia praecox which lifts the veil of obscurity from many unconscious processes as though it were following psychoanalytic principles. It was for this reason that Anna came to the apparently absurd conclusion that her father wanted to drown her. At the same time, her fear contained the thought that the object of the father had some relation to a dangerous action. This stream of thought is no arbitrary interpretation anna meanwhile grew a little older and her interest in her father took on a special colouring which is hard to describe language has no words to describe the quite unique kind of tender curiosity which shone in the child's eyes anna once took marked delight in assisting the gardener while he was sowing grass without apparently divulging the profound significance of her play about a fortnight later, she began to observe with great pleasure the young grass sprouting. On one of these occasions, she asked her mother the following question. Tell me, how did the eyes grow into the head? The mother told her that she did not know. Anna, however, continued to ask whether God or her papa could tell this. The mother then referred to her father, who might tell her how the eyes grew into the head. A few days later, there was a family reunion at tea. When the guests had departed, the father remained at the table reading the paper, and Anna also remained. Suddenly approaching her father, she said, Tell me, how did the eyes grow into the head? Father, they did not grow into the head, they were there from the beginning, and grew with the head. Were not the eyes planted? No, they grew into the head like the nose. Did the mouth and the ears grow in the same way? And the hair too? Yes, they all grew in the same way. And the hair too? But the mouses came into the world naked. Where was the hair before? Aren't there little seeds for it? No, you see, the hair really came out of little grains which are like seeds, but these were already in the skin long before, and nobody sowed them. The father was now getting concerned. He knew whether the little one's thoughts were directed, but he did not wish to overthrow, for the sake of a former false application, the opportunely established seed theory, which she had most fortunately gathered from nature. But the child spoke with an unwonted seriousness, which demanded consideration. Anna evidently disappointed and in a distressed tone. But how did Freddie get into Mama? Who stuck him in and who stuck you into your mama where did he come out from from this sudden storm of questions the father chose the last for his first answer just think you know well enough that freddy is a boy boys become men and girls women only women and not men can have children now just think where could freddy come out from anna laughs joyfully and points to her genitals did he come out here? Father, yes, of course, you certainly must have thought of this before. Anna, overlooking the question. But how did Freddy get into Mama? Did anybody plant him? Was the seed planted? This very precise question could no longer be evaded by the father. He explained to the child, who listened with the greatest attention, that the mother is like the soil and the father like the gardener that the father provides the seed which grows in the mother and thus gives origin to a baby this answer gave extraordinary satisfaction she immediately ran to her mother and said papa has told me everything now i know it all she did not however tell what she knew the new knowledge was however put into play the following day anna went to her mother and said Think, Mama, Papa told me how Freddy was a little angel and was brought from heaven by a stork. The mother was naturally surprised and said, No, you are mistaken. Papa surely never told you such a thing. Whereupon the little one laughed and ran away. This was apparently a mode of revenge. Her mother did not wish or was not able to tell her how the eyes grew into the head. Hence, she did not know how Freddy got into her. It was for this reason that she again tried her with the old story. I wish to impress firmly upon parents and educationalists this instructive example of child psychology. In the learned psychological discussion on the child's psyche we hear nothing about those parts which are so important for the health and naturalness of our children, nor do we hear more about the child's emotions and conflicts. And yet they play a most important role. It very often happens that children are erroneously treated as quite imprudent and irrational beings. Thus, on indulgently remarking to an intelligent father, whose four year old daughter masturbated excessively, that care should be exercised in the presence of the child who slept in the same room as the parents, I received the indignant reply. I can absolutely assure you that the child knows nothing about sexual matters. This recalls that distinguished old neurologist who wished to deny the attribute sexual to a childbirth fantasy which was represented in a dreamy state. On the other hand, a child evincing neurotic talent exaggerated by neurosis may be urged on by solicitous parents. How easy and tempting it would have been, for example, in the present case, to admire, excite and develop prematurely the child's eager desire for learning, and thereby develop an unnatural blasé state, and a precautiousness masking a neurosis. In such cases the parents must look after their own complexes and complex tendencies, and not make capital out of them at the expense of the child the idea should be dismissed once for all that children are to be held in bondage by their parents or that they are their toys they are characteristic and new beings in the matter of enlightenment on sexual things it can be affirmed that they suffer from the preconceived opinion that the truth is harmful many neurologists are of opinion that even in grown-ups enlightenment on their own psychosexual processes is harmful and even immoral would not the same persons perhaps refuse to admit the existence of the genitals themselves one should not however go from this extreme of prudishness to the opposite one namely that of enlightenment a tout prix which may turn out as foolish as it is disagreeable in this matter, I believe much discretion is advisable. Still, if children come upon an idea, they should be deceived no more than adults. I hope, ladies and gentlemen, that I have shown you what complicated psychic processes psychoanalytic investigation reveals in the child, and how great is the significance of these processes for the mental health as well as for the general psychic development of the child, what I have been unable to show is the universal validity of these observations. Unfortunately, I am not in a position to demonstrate this, for I do not know myself how much of it is universally valid. Only by accumulation of such observations and further penetration into the problems broached shall we gain a complete insight into the laws of psychical development. It is to be regretted that we are at present still far from this goal, but I confidently hope that educators and practical psychologists, whether physicians or deep thinking parents, will not leave us too long unassisted in this immensely important and interesting field. End of part two of Lecture Three from Chapter Two.